Hello, this is Kenny Williamson, and welcome back to another episode of McKill's Deck Chronicles. In today's episode, we're going to be talking just a little bit more about Daniel and King Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, and this particular thing we're going to talk about with Nebuchadnezzar is the dream he had where he saw a big tree. So having seen a big tree in a dream in itself doesn't sound very uh, doesn't sound very exciting to me. However, it uh, it ends well, I think. I mean, I think you should definitely stay to hear the ending if you don't already know it. Uh, but what we're going to do here is we're going to start off, um, and this is chapter four of the book of Daniel. And what we got to do is we got to lay just a little bit of groundwork here of what's happening, so we can kind to kind of, you know, get to the dream and the interpretation and all that. So basically here in chapter four, it says, Nebuchadnezzar, the king unto all people, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought toward me. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. Now, all I can say about that is, wow. I mean, we know Nebuchadnezzar is a pagan king, but but you you hear that, it sounds to me like he's not a pagan king. So, basically, this is his testimony. Um, This particular chapter in the Bible is basically, the whole thing is being dictated to Daniel by Daniel. King Nebuchadnezzar. Um, So the whole chapter is basically Nebuchadnezzar speaking in the first person, and he is giving his testimony. Okay. Now, this testimony is in the form of an official decree, and that decree is unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. So basically, this is the third time such a decree has gone out, but Think about how different this decree is from his previous two decrees. I mean, this one says, if you look at how the sentence ends, it says, peace be multiplied unto you. So now you talk about a change, a change of heart this guy's had here for old Nebuchadnezzar, because normally when Nebuchadnezzar made a decree to all people, nations, and languages, like back in chapter three, someone was fixing to die. Okay. He, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, he was not interested or worried about anybody's peace. Okay. So basically something has changed in Nebuchadnezzar's heart and his life. And that is what Nebuchadnezzar is about to tell you. Okay. When he speaks in the first person here. So if you notice over here in verses two and three, he says signs and wonders. Okay. So basically the signs and wonders were given to the Jews back in Corinthians and Exodus. And uh, basically they are shown here to Nebuchadnezzar because he's dealing with a Jew, Daniel. So what we're looking at here prophetically, okay, is the ministry of the two witnesses and the 144,000 Jews in the tribulation and to the Antichrist and Antichrist and his crowd. Okay, and that's in Revelation 7 and Revelation 11. Basically, those 144,000 Jewish evangelists, what they do is they go out preaching, 
the gospel of the kingdom to the whole world. Okay, that's in Matthew 24. And they have the apostolic signs and wonders. And because of this, the Bible says that a great multitude of nations, of all nations, get saved. Okay, and that's in Revelation 7, verse 9. And it goes on to say his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. So, basically what we can kind of tell here in verse 3 is that Nebuchadnezzar is basically what I believe to be in a Bible study with Daniel. Because what I just read to you was out of verse 3 that King Nebuchadnezzar spoke, and he quoted directly from Psalm 145.13, which says his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. So how would, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, how would King Nebuchadnezzar know that, you know? So he must have been doing a Bible study with Daniel. So he's probably thinking back to his other visions that he had that were interpreted earlier on. And that was where the God of heaven set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed and it shall stand forever. And he probably remembers that. But what we're about to see in this particular chapter, um, the Lord is about to give the old king here a lesson. Okay. And he's going to get a lesson. So he's going to know that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will, which is verse 25. So this everlasting kingdom of verse 3 is basically God overseeing the political dominions of the world now. So one of the questions here is, how do you reconcile that with the fact that Satan is the God of this world right now? Okay, he was then, and he is now. Don't, don't be fooled by that. Satan is the God of this world, okay? You can find that in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, by the way. But the devil told Jesus all the kingdoms of the world were delivered to him to dispense as he would. And, of course, that was in Luke 4. And Jesus did not contradict him. So whenever... The devil, Satan, told Jesus, hey, I can give you this stuff because they're all mine, and I'll let you have whatever if you worship me. Jesus never said, no, it's not yours. No, that's not true. No, it's true. It's true. It's his, and he can delegate it to whoever he wants. Okay? So, basically, what you have is God delegating the power over the political nations of the world to the devil. Now, this is due to the sinfulness of man. Okay, so basically, the Lord has turned his own nation of people, the Jews, over to King Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, now the devil, he can't do anything to a child of God without the Lord's permission. We find that out in Job 1 and 2. Um, So the rulers of this present world system that we have now Um, They are under Satan's control, by the way, but they can't take office without the allowance of God Almighty. So basically, the powers that be are ordained of God. That's Romans 13. So even when the power is someone like King Nebuchadnezzar or Napoleon or Hitler 
or in our case, Biden. Okay. Um, and I know that's a joke. I mean, it's a horrible joke in my opinion, but, um, so even though we have this president, okay, that's obviously a fool and a puppet, it, he's been ordained by God to be there, but it's not for a good thing. It's for the judgment. So basically he's there for the judgment of this nation because this nation is in rebellion against God. So we're being judged by, by these sitting presidents, the ones in the past here too, recently that have literally just destroyed everything and have been for years. That's because America is in judgment because we have basically turned our backs on God. And if you don't believe that's true, just head on down to your local library and, you know, where the, the drag shows going on, where they're, where they're taking little kids in there and setting them on grown men's laps, okay, dressed up like nasty-looking women. And you'll, you'll see that we've turned our backs. Anyway, so now on to Nebuchadnezzar here. So Nebuchadnezzar says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in mine house and flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts upon my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore made I a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me, that they might make known unto me the interpretation of the dream. Then came in the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers, and I told the dream before them, but they did not make known unto me the interpretation thereof. So basically, um, King Nebuchadnezzar is resting. Okay, he's at rest. And basically what that means is he's ceased any warfare. Um, he's not in battles right now. He's basically at his capital, at his palace, resting. Um, you know, so... It's a time of rest and prosperity, but that particular time is what gets old Nebuchadnezzar into trouble. So what's happened here? The old king, when he's hanging out in his palace, he has had a second dream, and this second dream troubles him. Now, the previous dream he had, which I haven't went over yet, but um, it basically dealt with the um, human government um, and the kingdom of the devil under the Antichrist, so that was the statue, you know, with the head and all that. Of course, I haven't covered that one yet, but it was, it was a previous dream. But this particular dream deals with Nebuchadnezzar personally. And so as before, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, he calls in all these magicians and astrologers and everybody he thinks can help him. So unlike the first dream that he had, he only told, he didn't tell anybody, he couldn't remember it. But this time, Nebuchadnezzar... He tells the dream to his wise men, but, you know, they are not able to help him in any way. It says, basically, Scripture says, they did not make known unto me the interpretation thereof. So, you know, either they're afraid of what the king's going to do to them, you know, if they try to trick him or buffalo him with a trying to give a fake, you know, a fake interpretation possibly. So anyway, so they can't help him. So here we go on to verse 8, and it says, But at the last Daniel came in before me, whose name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of holy gods. And before him I told the dream, saying, O Belteshazzar, master of the magicians, 
because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in thee, and no secret troubleth thee. Tell me the visions of my dream that I have seen, and the interpretation thereof. So now remember the king, King Nebuchadnezzar here, he is telling this after he's already had the dream, okay? So, and for the first time here, which is notable, uh, Nebuchadnezzar refers to Daniel by his name, Daniel, by his Hebrew name. And then he adds, whose name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God. You know, so like we went over before, he purposely changed their names to try to get them away from their God, away from their religion, away from all their roots, try to change everything. Now, all of a sudden, he's calling him Daniel. So, obviously, something has changed in the King Nebuchadnezzar. And he basically lets you know that he used to call Daniel Belteshazzar, but that's changed. So, basically, Nebuchadnezzar is now calling Daniel by the name of the Hebrews. So, notice also that Nebuchadnezzar recognizes the difference between his God, as he calls it, and my God, for example. He's got a fake God. I've got a real God. So, he's, he's recognizing the difference between his God and Daniel's God, which is my God and your God if you're a Christian. So again, there's a big change in Nebuchadnezzar. He is, he's realizing that there is another God besides his fake pagan God that he worships. So let's get into um, verse 10 here where he starts discussing to Daniel what his dream actually was. And he says, Thus were the visions of mine head in my bed, I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth, and the height thereof was great. So he sees a tree, a big, tall tree, okay? The tree grew, and it was strong, and the height thereof reached into heaven, and the sight thereof to the end of all the earth. Pretty big tree. Okay. The leaves thereof were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and in it was meat for all. The beasts of the field had shadow under it, and the fowls of the heaven dwelt in the bowels thereof, and all flesh was fed of it. So we got, in other words, we got animals laying all over it. We got birds all in it. Probably got chickens roosting in it. We got everything over there. Okay, this thing is an amazing tree. It's got a lot of fruit on it, apparently, as well. So this is a pretty nice tree. I mean, I'd like to have a tree like that. Okay, a big tree with a bunch of junk on it. Okay. So I saw in the visions of my head upon my bed, and behold, a watcher and a holy one came down from heaven. Hmm, we got a watcher. Okay, from heaven. That's, that's interesting. I'll tell you what that is here in a minute. He cried aloud and said thus, Hew down the tree and cut off its branches. Shake off his leaves and scatter his fruit. Let the beasts get away from under it and the fowls from its branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump of its roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from man's, and let a beast's heart be given unto him, and let seven times pass over him. Okay. It says, this matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones. 
to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will, and setteth up over it the the basest of men. Okay. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now thou, O Belteshazzar, declare the interpretation thereof, as much as all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known unto me the interpretation. But thou art able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in thee. Okay. So now the holy gods obviously is the Holy Ghost. So, the vision of this great tree, okay, that's what he had. It's repeated again later in Ezekiel 31, okay, concerning the Assyrian. And what that is is a reference to the Antichrist, okay? So Jesus Christ uses the tree to picture a false worldly faith that attracts demons. Hmm, so some of those birds up in that tree aren't regular birds, they're demons. So we've got this big tree attracting all kinds of worldly stuff and demons even. Okay? So, again, old Nebuchadnezzar is once more, he's revealed as a type of the Antichrist. And Babylon is the source of this false religion. So you can see that in Revelation 17. So we have the Watcher, okay? Remember the Watcher and the Holy One? Well, from what I can tell here and what I understand, the Watcher and the Holy One are basically the same being, okay? The word Holy One is another word for saint in the Old Testament. Um, It can refer to an Old Testament saint individually, or it can also refer to the nation of Israel corporately, it can also refer to angels of God. So it's used in different ways in the Bible. But we're going to take it for granted due to the reference, okay, that a holy one that came down from heaven, that this watcher, as we're calling it, is probably an angel. So that's what this watcher is. It's an angel. Um, and we know that the Bible distinguishes between different spiritual beings that come down from heaven. Okay, I mean, the Bible mentions angels, uh, it mentions the archangel, it mentions a cherubim, and a seraphim. So, it doesn't, the Bible is not specific as to which one of these watchers of Daniel really are. Um, so, you know, we'll just call them angels. And, you know, because we don't know 100% for sure. I mean, I have no idea what for sure, but we know, we, we assume that this watcher is an angel. And possibly, you know, God has specific angels whose job it is to keep an eye on things down here on earth maybe okay so that's maybe one of the watchers they're just watching things they're kind of keeping an eye on everything down here and uh it's a possibility that some of these watchers you know they have some authority and power from god to have you know to enact decisions against people down here on earth um so Obviously, when one of these watchers, you know, they they get angry or they resent it when they see someone taking God's glory for himself, uh, then they testify against a sinful man or a nation, which you can find that in Jeremiah 4, verse 16. So, the decree and demand 
of these watchers, okay, and holy ones, is that the tree be cut down. They want to cut the tree down. They want to cut the branches off, and they want the leaves to be shaken off. They want the fruit scattered, and the beasts and the birds that found shade and lodging in this tree need to be chased away. So, but in the midst of this judgment, okay, the stump and the roots are left, and it it gets a band of iron and brass put around it. I'm assuming that's so it can't, you know, it can't start growing again. And they're going to leave the stump there for the future, but it can't grow if it has, you know, iron and brass around it. It's basically just sitting there. Okay. So, I mean, I think it, it can come back and sprout again once this stuff is removed. So basically this iron and brass indicates the tree, you know, will still have strength once this judgment has been executed on it. Okay. So verse 16 says that, um, the tree represents a man and it says, let his heart be changed from a man's. Um, but notice that a beast's heart is given to this man instead of his heart. Okay. So, you know, they actually have an actual mental condition these days that psychiatrists, um, they call it lycanthropy. And basically it's a form of craziness where a person takes on the characteristics of a beast, usually a wolf, from what I've read here. And basically that's where the legends of werewolves come from. Okay, so it's basically classified as a form of acute mania. So you're a maniac, in other words. Um, so a major, it's a major mood disorder involving enduring periods of persistent irritable moods. And the enduring period of persistent irritable moods here in this particular story turns out to be seven years. Okay, so he has this like lycanthropy mental condition put upon him for seven years. Because the verse says, let seven times pass over him. Okay, so basically we're going to see in the interpretation that old King Nebuchadnezzar, he becomes an animal and lives out in the field with other beasts in the dew of heaven. Now, we've already mentioned... Uh, earlier that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of man and giveth it to whomever he will. So whomsoever he will is who God gives it to. So, but kind of a rule of thumb here is that God gives a nation like us the kind of ruler that it deserves. Okay. You you see where this is going? So evidently us, you know, here in the United States, We've deserved, for the most part, uh, lewd, lewd fellows of the baser sort, as the Bible calls them. So, you know, we've got, you know, the Bushes, Clintons, Obama, Biden. That's, that's who our rulers have been. So if we get the rulers that we deserve, uh, we didn't get the good men, did we? Or we didn't get any big shots in God's eyes. No, we we got the low lives. We got the scum of the earth. That's what we have ruling us. So, yeah, obviously we deserve it. Well, why do we deserve it? Take take a good look on the news and see what's going on 
on social media. And it's going to become real clear, real fast to anybody with any discernment at all, exactly why we're being judged and why we deserve the kind of rulers that we have. Now, I've heard people talk about revivals and stuff, which I just don't believe any of it because the Bible doesn't mention anything like that in the last days. And I believe that we're in the last days, so we're not going to get into that stuff. You know, and you're not going to get a strong Christian man in office here in America because the majority of the people in this country who actually do read the Bible, they don't believe it. Um, the Christians that most of the Christians that I see and read about and this stuff, they're just like fashion Christians. They're just fake plastic Christians. Okay. They've, they may say something about Jesus and the Bible, you know, and they may, they may try to say something about that to fit their own politically correct philosophy. And they do that so they can get along with the lost world. They want to be a part of the world so bad they'll go along with anything. And I've noticed that, you know, the world, the world doesn't care, you know, if you talk about Jesus or the Bible, just as long as you don't do anything with it. Long as you go back to the world and do everything they want you to do and do your pornography and do everything that they want, you know, the trans and the gay and the porn and the on and the on and the on and on and on. It never ends. Long as you're okay with all that stuff. Yeah. You, you can wear a T you can wear a Jesus t-shirt. Okay. Cause we all know you don't believe it. We all know you don't believe it. It's so obvious, but you go ahead and wear your shirt. Okay. It's all right. You go ahead and wear it with your fake plastic religion and your fake plastic Jesus that's not in the Bible, whatever it is you're doing here, you just go right ahead. You know, we, we all know you're not legitimate. God knows it for sure. Okay. So you, you ain't fooling anybody. All right. So I don't, you know, don't expect God to give a country like ours with our kind of people, any kind of good ruler. Okay. We, we deserve the scum that we're getting. Just take a look around. You'll see it. Anyway, on to verse 19. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished, which means astonished, for one hour. And his thoughts troubled him. The king spake and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation thereof trouble thee. Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, the dream the dream be to them that hate thee and the interpretation thereof to thine enemies. The tree that thou sawest, which grew and was strong, whose height reached out into heaven and to the sight thereof to all the earth, whose leaves were fair and the fruit therefore of much. And in it was meat for all under which the beasts of the field dwelt. And upon those branches, the fowls of the heaven had their habitation it is thou, O king, that art grown and become strong, for thy greatness is grown and reacheth into heaven, and thy dominion to the end of the earth. And whereas the king saw a watcher and a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, Hew the tree down and destroy it, yet leave the stump of the roots therefore in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass, into the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which is come upon my lord, the king. 
that they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and give it to whomsoever he will. And whereas they commanded, yeah, and whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee. After that thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness, and thine iniquities, iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. It may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. Okay, that's a pretty long little deal there, but let's break it down here real quick. Basically, Daniel, he, he, he does that. He, he, he hears it, and he sets dazed for about an hour. Okay, he's astonished for an hour. And he's basically unable to tell Nebuchadnezzar what God has shown him. And then when Daniel is finally able to speak, he says, My Lord, the dream be to them that hate thee, and the interpretation thereof to thine enemies. So basically, even after all King Nebuchadnezzar has done to Daniel, capture, eunuch, the whole nine yards, and to, and to Daniel's family, um, well, and his buddies, and his people, and his city, I mean, everything, Daniel is still loyal to the king, okay? And that's one of the reasons for that is, you know, the Christians commanded to be subject unto the higher powers and to honor the king. So Daniel here is upset for the king because the tree is Nebuchadnezzar, okay? Um, David wrote, I've seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a green bay tree, okay? That was Nebuchadnezzar, okay? That will be the Antichrist, so the tree is a similitude. You know, the Holy Spirit is using this to teach us about men that, you know, not only is the wicked man likened into a green bay tree, the righteous man is likened into a palm tree and a cedar tree. Because uh, you've got in Psalms 92, it says the psalmist said, um, like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither. So basically here, like a tree, a man can produce good fruit or bad fruit. Uh, and if he doesn't produce good fruit, he's cut down and cast into a fire, like a worthless tree. So like a tree in the winter and spring, a man experiences a death and resurrection. Every winter a tree dies, and every spring it kind of comes back to life. And... You know, so a man's lineage is called his family tree. Some men are flexible, like a palm tree. So, you know, when the winds of adversity blow and all your trouble comes, they're able to bend in the breeze and able to survive. Other men are inflexible, like an oak tree. When the hurricane hits, they break. So, obviously, you know, there's, there's a difference in different trees, so we go on to the next verse, 22, that says, Thy greatness is grown and reaches in the heaven. So basically, Nebuchadnezzar here, um, he imitated his father, you know, Satan. Um, that's why he set up the, the symbol of himself earlier on, you know, and tried to have people worship it, a phallic symbol. So we can note here that the decree of the watchers, also from verse 17, turns out to be the decree of the Most High. In verse 24. So 
basically, just as the devil has to get permission to do anything to a child of God, angels have to get permission to do anything to a lost man, apparently. So God's not bringing this trouble here onto Nebuchadnezzar just, you know, for fun, okay? It's basically he's doing it to teach him something. Now, what he's trying to teach him is, Till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. And it looks like when Nebuchadnezzar learns the lesson, he's promised his kingdom back. Okay? So the judgment against Nebuchadnezzar was that he was to be turned into, for all practical purposes here, turned into an animal. He was to be put out to pasture and feed with the oxen for seven years. So now, if we want to notice real quick the typology here, um, all the references to the Antichrist. Uh, So here's what we have. We have a man, Nebuchadnezzar, who's a beast. He eats grass with the oxen. Okay. Satan was a cherub, and the face of a cherub was the face of an ox. Okay, you can find that in Ezekiel. Um, Now, down in verse 33, it says, Nebuchadnezzar's hair grew like eagle's feathers. Now, one of the faces of the cherubim was that of an eagle. So, also, it mentions that the heavens do rule. So, it's not just God in heaven. There's like a hierarchy in the first, second, and third heavens that is controlling these affairs of the nations. Now, the devil is the prince of the power of the air, according to Ephesians 2.2. And he has a chain of command under him by which he rules all the kingdoms of the world. So, basically, you can describe that as they're given out um, as principalities, is what it's called. And so, as principalities, powers, the rulers of darkness of this world spiritual wickedness in high places. And I don't believe that those high places, they're not just political high places. They are literal high places. Okay. So for example, it says here in Isaiah 24, it says, and it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall punish the host of the high places that are on high and the kings of the earth upon the earth. So I don't believe those principalities that Ephesians is talking about here, I don't believe they're real men like presidents, prime ministers, anything like that. They're basically angels is who these principalities are. Because we know that like in Daniel 10, it talks about the prince of Persia, Okay, the prince of Persia wasn't a real man. Okay, the prince of Grecia in Daniel 10, it wasn't a real man. The prince of Israel in Daniel 10, 13 wasn't a real man. So anyway here, back to Daniel 4, it says, Wherefore, O king, break off thy sins by righteousness and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. This is what Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar. So basically that's salvation by works right there. There's no faith to it. Uh, Daniel didn't tell Nebuchadnezzar to look forward to the cross or to Jesus. So King Nebuchadnezzar, he what he is about to do is he's about to exercise his faith in the king of heaven, 
but um, works are a part of it back then in a way that they are not a part of it for us today, okay? So salvation in the Old Testament, whether it was for Jews or Gentiles, is not the same as salvation in the New Testament. But, so we note that old Nebuchadnezzar here, he could have avoided this decree of the watchers. All he has to do is repent, but he doesn't. So, um, we go on to verse 28 here, and it says, All this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, at the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, Is this, is this not great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee, and they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee, until thou know that the Most High ruleth the kingdom of men, and give it to whomsoever he will. The same hour the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men, and did eat grass as an oxen. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hairs were grown like eagles' feathers, and his nails were like birds' claws. So, here we go. It says, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. So we can see from that that he did not repent. Okay, he was supposed to repent and do better. Didn't do it. So, everything Daniel told him came to pass exactly as he was told. So, a good lesson to learn there is... If you go to hell after being told how to escape, um, you've got nobody to blame but yourself. Because as this happened here, you know, a whole year goes by. You know, Nebuchadnezzar, he's out walking around the palace, lay, you know, gazing out over the city, bragging to himself, you know, look at me, look what I've done. He says, is this not great Babylon that I have built, you know? And then he says, you know, by the kingdom of my power and then for the honor of my majesty. Oh, my, 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 my. You're something else, king. Yo, you're something else, aren't you? Wrong thing to say. Wrong, wrong thing to think. Boy, that pride's going to get you. Pride is going to get you, isn't it? Well, let's see how long how let's see how long it lasts. Not very long. You see what old King Nebuchadnezzar here didn't understand is that God Almighty is who had turned all these nations over to him. Okay? God gave these nations to Nebuchadnezzar for him to conquer. So, without God, Nebuchadnezzar would have nothing. And just like it says here in Proverbs six seventeen, it says, God hates a proud look. He resists the proud. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So there you have it. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar is about to fall and he's about to fall hard. Oh, yeah, he's going to fall real hard. So it says, while the word was in the king's mouth. So he hasn't even got done with his little prideful boasting. I mean, he's in the, he's got a mouthful of words. He's just now saying it. And the Lord comes down and says, boom, Hey, King to thee, it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee. 
and down on his hands and knees he goes, grunting and growling like an animal. You know, uh, so I guess one of his personal bodyguards, you know, looks into his eyes and it's obvious that the light's on, but nobody's home. So the mind of the man is gone and only a beast, only a beast is left. So he becomes so wild that he's driven out of the palace. So there's the king of the Babylonian empire on the front lawn of his palace, chewing on the grass for seven years. So for seven years, he sleeps outdoors in the elements. No one can get near him to bathe him or change his clothes, cut his hair, give him a shave, trim his nails. Says his hair grows so thick and it's so matted that it looks like eagle's feathers. You know, his nails grow so long that they look like bird's claws. So picture that long hair, long nails, alone and naked and just as nutty as a fruitcake. So I guess that could bring up a question about uh, mental illness, right? He's clearly lost his mind. So is mental illness a spiritual problem? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, maybe sometimes it is. Um, Sometimes it isn't, probably. Um, I'm sure some mental disorders are probably caused by chemical imbalances in the body or some kind of a hokey pokey that you took and it burned your brain out. You know, you take you take the wrong hokey pokey in the arm. Ooh, it can probably burn those brain cells right out, you know, with the clots and everything else. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of that going on. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are, uh, you know, crazy because of sin as well. They probably violated their conscience so bad it either drove them crazy or, you know, they were ate up with something and they let the devil come into them. And basically they're ensnared by the devil or they're ate up and possessed by demons would be my guess. So anyway, so Nebuchadnezzar, that's what happened to him. He became so puffed up with his big look at me pride that God took his mind from him. And now he's running around like a beast in the field. However, all is not over. All is not ended here. I mean, just like, hey, eventually the seven years passed. Okay. And so here we go. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes into heaven and mine understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? At the same time my reason returned unto me, And for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me. And my counselors and my lords sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth, and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. So there we go. At the end of the seven years, Nebuchadnezzar lifts up his eyes to heaven. Of course, that's a sign right there that he's becoming a man again because animals don't naturally look up. They're always looking down or around. You know, they don't look up to heaven. So man is able to look up to the one who made him. 
So when Nebuchadnezzar's understanding finally returned to him, okay, the first thing he the first thing he did was bless, praise, and honor the Lord. So he highly praised the Lord, you know, and one can be reminded of the words of the angels at Christ's birth, where they said, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. You know, there can be no tranquility either personally or nationally or in the United States without glory to God in the highest. So here we have it, you know, their old Nebuchadnezzar. Here's here he is. He's a guy that's been living as a beast out in the field for seven years. He probably looked like a cross between a wolf and an ox and a bird of prey. He's basically an absolute filthy, disgusting mess. Okay. Uh, but during all that time, the king's ministers never chose anyone else to take the throne. So one day, this man beast decides to look up to heaven and starts praising God and stands back upright on his feet. So his counselors and his lords didn't hesitate for a minute. They basically came right on out to him. They cleaned him up. They put the crown and his royal robes right back on him and set him back on the throne. In fact, after that, it says he had an excellent majesty added to him that he didn't have before he went he went berserk. Okay, he didn't have that. So that is a miracle of God. So that was God taking care of him. So after all this, old Nebuchadnezzar, he finally becomes con- converted basically to a Christian in an Old Testament Gentile sense, if you will. But, uh, you know, Daniel, he told him this stuff. Daniel's wisdom back in chapter one, you know, when he was telling him all this stuff, it, it didn't convert him, you know, didn't, didn't want to hear it. Um, so learning of God's prophetic plan back in chapter two, that didn't convert him. So not even the miracle of God delivering Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace, that didn't even, con- that didn't even convert him. Basically, it took God knocking him out for seven years and turning him into a beast to get him right. So, you know, that's why the admission is to humble yourselves, as what it says in James 10. Um, You'd be a lot better off to humble yourself than to force God to humble you. I mean, it's always easier to take God speaking to you, you know, and you listening and to get right with God It's a lot easier to do that than it is for God to take the belt to you and give you a nice spanking. So, basically, now that we've kind of got all that done, that's what happened. It's an interesting story. Um, At the end of this whole thing, you know, Nebuchadnezzar basically said amen to what God did to him. And the practical lesson we can learn from this and, and that revelation is that one day all the lost... Okay, you're going to have to agree with God. You know, you're going to have to agree with him even onto your own damnation. So I read that a preacher said, um, a preacher named Bob Jones Sr. used to say that the most terrible sound in the world is a lost sinner being cast into hell. And as he goes, he yells, Amen. So now I hope that if you've listened to this podcast and you're not a Christian, that you highly consider becoming a Christian before it's too late. You need to accept Jesus Christ into your life, admit that you're a sinner, okay? 
accept Jesus Christ into your heart, you know, and believe that he died and rose again on the third day and ascended into heaven. And his, his blood is a sacrifice of atonement for your sins. That's really all there is. It's a free gift. Just believe it. And God knows if you believe it in your heart. Um, but you, you don't have a lot of time because you just never know when it's going to be. You could die tonight. You could, buy, you could die in five minutes from now. Any of us can. We're not guaranteed our next breath. And, you know, if you're a Christian and, you know, you're a Bible-believing Christian, you know, think about this pride thing. Think about being puffed up. I understand people like things and, you know, that whole thing. But I, 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 look at me, look at me. Pride go before a fall. I mean, this is what happened to the king. The, I mean, God stuck him there to punish Israel. You know, we're being punished now in America, I believe, by the crappy rulers we have. But, you know, he still was given every opportunity to do right, and he didn't do it. And so he was cast, you know, into an animal in a field. I, I wish that would happen to our rulers today, the ones that won't listen. Maybe it will someday. But you don't want to be a Christian in that situation to where God has to punish you as a Christian and take away everything you have because you won't listen. I mean, you're better off just to just, I mean, works aren't going to save you, but once you're saved, you're better off just to try to do the right thing. Don't go against God's will. And if you do, you need to pray and ask him to forgive you so you can stay in fellowship with him. Anyway, I hope this helped you. If it helped you and you like what you heard, I mean, give us an email. Uh, you can email us at truthseekers2012 at gmail.com. You can get in touch with us on our website, kennywilliamson.com. And so I just ask that you like, share, and uh, yeah, just do that. So thanks for listening, and God bless you.